0: Now, Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Welcome back. We now turn to our trusted contributors from the OPA and a very common and troublesome problem that so many of us suffer from, GERD, or gastroesophageal reflux disease. It's a disorder affecting the valve between the esophagus and the stomach that results in a reverse flow of the stomach's contents into the esophagus. Now, most people living with GERD suffer from indigestion, acid reflux, or heartburn, or all of the above. Uh, but how do you tell the difference between just the odd bout of heartburn and GERD and, more importantly, what can you do about it? I'm going to give the numbers out because I'm sure there are a lot of people with questions about this. I certainly have questions. 416 360 toll-free 866 740 And I am here with John Puppesturgio. Nice to see you. Welcome. Thanks it's for being here. great to be back. Great to be back. Okay, so how do you tell uh, if the, the heartburn
2: or the whatever is GERD? a great question. Actually, uh, GERD is really a compilation of symptoms where heartburn is just a single symptom. So heartburn itself is just that burning sensation that you feel generally kind of above the stomach, below the throat, somewhere in the chest. Sometimes it can be very severe in some patients. GERD is more than just that. Heartburn could potentially be one symptom. The other symptoms of GERD are sometimes regurgitation. You get that sour taste in your mouth. You can get coughing, hoarseness in your voice. So um, it, it's, it's a more chronic condition. You could get heartburn just kind of you have a big meal or whatever. You get a little bit of heartburn. That could be normal. GERD is something that happens uh, repeatedly, chronically, and can start to affect your, your quality of life.
1: Okay, um, so it's if it's repeated. Uh, now, uh, is there is there a test for it or something like that?
2: Not really. Generally, the way we uh, you know uh, manage GERD is just by treating the symptoms. The concern is I mean beyond the, the quality of life issues, if you have this long term reflux, that acid going back up into your esophagus, uh, we know now that over you know, longer periods of time that could change the the cells in your esophagus, make them make that tissue thicker, and in the long term could increase your risk for esophageal cancer that 's why we want to manage GERD and uh, uh, for patients that experience it chronically recommend getting therapy and there's different ways to do that we could start with kind of the non-pharmacological measures things like trying to change the foods you eat foods that are very acidic uh, fatty foods uh, uh, tomatoes we know uh, could trigger GERD uh, uh, caffeine so a lot of coffee and whatnot those are all kind of triggers to that to make that sphincter down there a little bit looser which kind of contributes uh, to the courage. Even chocolate, believe it or not, is, uh, is thought okay, to Okay, so
1: your... all the things we really like.
2: That's right, yes. Pretty <laughs> much everything on the list. Um, that being said, uh, if if uh, that's not helping, kind of another strategy. Uh, many people will get the symptoms in the evening, especially when they're lying down. We generally tell patients avoid large meals, particularly before bedtime. If you're going to eat, try to eat uh, earlier on in the day or multiple small meals. Elevating the foot of your bed sometimes helps, too, just gravity pulling the the, the
1: foot or the uh, sorry, back?
2: The, the head of the bed. Yeah, the back of the bed there, or uh,
1: both, maybe.
2: Well, you want to be on an angle a little bit, okay. right? So, uh, so gravity helps with the kind of the flow downwards. Uh, that helps, and then ultimately, if you know those measures aren't giving you uh, complete relief, now then we have the pharmacological treatments, the drugs that are available, and there are quite a few of them, and they all work pretty pretty well.
1: Okay, um, is there a kind of drug that you would start with, or?
2: Yeah, like if it's happening uh, occasionally sometimes we'll we'll tell patients just try one of the over the counter antacids when it happens especially if it's happening you know after a large meal so things like Tums you could try that Gaviscon uh if you find that helps and that's enough that's fine if your symptoms are more chronic and happening all the time that's when we take uh, uh there's two classes there's uh the drugs like Zantac you may be familiar yeah. with that brand name that's a H2 receptor antagonist or more commonly now uh, the proton pump inhibitors, things like Losec would be the trade name, uh, or Nexium. Those drugs work by reducing the acid in your stomach. So they re- reduce the production of acid. When there's less acid there, less acid to flow up and kind of burn the uh, the esophagus. What's step.
1: in a drug like Pepcid Complete?
2: Pepcid Complete is uh, it's a combination drug with uh, uh, an H2 receptor antagonist, kind of like uh, Zantac. And then I want to say there's an antacid in there, too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but essentially it's it's one of those two classes combined maybe with an antacid.
1: Mm-hmm. And those are available over-the-counter? Over-the-counter.
2: Pretty much. Even a, a, a low sec, which is a PPI, used to be prescription at the lower doses, even that's available over-the-counter. You have to speak to your pharmacist about it. But, again, uh, you can manage these these conditions over-the-counter. What I would do is if uh, the symptoms persist, uh, they're not getting better. Even with the over-the-counter uh, oral medications, it may be worth going to see a physician and getting checked out more thoroughly. Maybe there's something else going on. That being said, a uh, GERD is very, very common. It affects, you know, upward to 30 35% of the population. Wow. So it's one of the most common conditions, so we see it all the time in the pharmacy.
1: And uh, is it something that gets worse as we age?
2: It can, yeah. It's, it, that sphincter seems to get a little bit more... Uh, Loosey goosey as you get older, and that's what's uh, typically blocking the acid from going back up into the esophagus. So, it it uh, we definitely do see it in patients as they as they age. But, you know, diet is a big part of it. If you can ad- adjust your diet, especially early on, it maybe maybe will prevent those symptoms.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something about the effect of weight.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. The, uh, patients that are uh, uh, bigger, a little bit more obese, what happens there, especially when you're lying down, is there's more pressure on the abdomen, right? So that pressure from uh, the, the increase in the adipose tissue just pushes the, uh, uh, the acid back up, the esophagus there. So patients that are, are more obese definitely uh, uh, can be at higher risk for GERD. So weight loss, another, another good strategy.
1: Okay. Uh, Let's take a call. It's uh, on a slightly different topic, but we'll take a call from John in Toronto. Hi, John. Hi. How are you doing? Fine. How are you?
3: Good. Good. I called last week uh, complaining about an overcharge of $4 from the pharmacy.
1: Okay. Or a charge of $4. Let's call it that. Yes. And?
3: Okay. And uh, as it turned out, the insurance company told me that they had paid 100% of submitted by the pharmacy. And they had not. They decided to cap the prescription drugs and not tell anybody. So they misled me, first of all, by telling me that they had paid 100%. So I'm just calling to let you know that the pharmacy, it wasn't the fault of the pharmacy, it yeah. is the actual fault of the insurance
1: company. Yeah, John, I, I don't know about fault, but I was actually talking about this in part of the segment last week, that mm-hmm. one of the things that you find in your drug insurance com- uh, coverage is that, say, I mean, this is, I, I had it with a chiropractor issue. So say you go to the chiropractor. The chiropractor charges you $90. The insurance company says our rate for that is $60. Sure. So they cover $60. But mm-hmm. then, in the little thing, they say we have covered a hundred percent. So yeah. Um, it's it's it's, uh, it's, just it's
3: that, that they have covered it up to, up to say last week.
1: Well, it, and ex- then
3: decided not to.
1: Well, ex- ex- I don't I don't know what it is, but they do that with a whole raft of things. So uh, people just be aware of the limits of your insurance mm-hmm. company, and I, I think it would be better if if they, you know. I don't really get that when they have a limit for coverage, say for something, they say we're going to cover up to five hundred dollars for your paramedical. Like, what do they care if it's if it's for one or for two or for? One? I don't, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, get I it.
3: Fully understand, but the insurance company is on the hook for this, so they will be reimbursing me.
1: Okay, so, well, and
3: uh, just need to apologize for misleading anybody. Okay, I was thinking that the pharmacy was in. in
1: Okay, well, yeah, we (laughs) we figured that that was not the case. But, John, thanks so much for calling back. Okay, no problem. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: So what happens commonly in in pharmacy? It's actually one of the more complicated areas because we deal with so many different payers, different insurance companies. They have their own formularies. Each employer covers different amounts of things. So the billing itself can be quite complicated. I would, you know, if there is something I would expect coming in the near future, anyone on third-party payers, I imagine we're going to see more and more co-pays for patients, more and more deductibles, and coverage being uh, less less good. And the reason behind that is drug costs are escalating exponentially. I mean, um, uh, the cost... uh, of the newer medications, the biologics. They're very, very expensive. And, uh, you know, it's the fastest growing area in healthcare, really. So, uh, if I, you know, as a patient, I would expect, hey, uh, you're probably going to see your deductibles go up and your co pays go up because uh, uh, I don't think uh, uh, the current system could handle uh, the, the rapid increase in these drug costs.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back.
1: I am here with John Puppesturge, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Our topic of the day is GERD, which is really common. I was just asking him some things about it in the break. Uh, maybe that's what I have. I don't know. Uh, and, but of course, he is here to take all your calls and questions about any pharmaceutical topic. Let's go to Gina in Vaughan. Hi, Gina. Oh, Hi there. You're on the air. Go ahead.
4: Thank you. I have a question for your guest uh, today. He just mentioned that pharmaceutical costs are increasing astronomically, but there are factual reports circulating that attest to the fact that a pill will actually just cost pennies to manufacture, that the markups are actually times 100 or times 1,000 or 2,000 or 20,000. So what is the truth, if we could go back to a time when there was only one truth, and truth is not what is perceived, but what is the actual truth as far as how much it actually costs a pharmaceutical company to manufacture a pill?
2: Yeah, that's a great, great question, Gina. The, um, what you're referring to are the oral medications, kind of the traditional tablets, capsules, and, and, and drugs like that. The reality is, those drug costs have, uh, have come down significantly because of uh, generics, right? The generics have dr- driven those costs down 80, 90 percent. What I was referring to is the biologic medications. These are the newer class of medications. Generally, they're injectable medications and they're uh, created uh, in living organisms, uh, many times bacteria, generally, they're proteins or some type of antibody that's injected into your body and has a very, very specific effect. Those drugs are astronomically expensive. Generally, they could cost anywhere between thirty or forty thousand dollars per year, and uh, that's what's driving the, the drug uh, budgets up. It's it's not the traditional oral medications. Most of those now have gone generic. When I think of uh, you know my time in the pharmacy, I've almost uh, seen no new. Uh, blockbuster oral medications. All the new drugs are biologics, uh, uh, and and that's the direction the pharmaceutical companies are going in. If you look at the top 10 uh, uh, drugs, uh, most expensive drugs in Canada, they're almost all biologics. Now, I think the what only we, one is CoverCill. That's still left on the list. What? Yeah.
1: Can you just tell us, give us an example of a biologic? Yeah,
2: Humira. So you see that for rheumatoid arthritis. Embrel for uh, rheumatoid arthritis. uh, Many of, uh, uh, there's uh, a bunch of new uh, anti-cancer medications that are like that. Uh, There's a whole host of them. uh, Prolia for osteoporosis. So all these new, newer drugs, they're, they're given subcutaneously but the way that they're manufactured is very very different than the way the traditional uh, uh oral medications are manufactured.
1: Okay, Gina, does that answer your question? Not not really, uh because
4: it's um it, you know, it's not it has to be quantifiable. So, if the the speaker is saying it costs 30 to 40,000 per year to manufacture what does that mean in terms of one pill? What is the markup? And it's, what is not the it's not a pill. It's not a
2: pill. That's it's, what I'm saying. It's right? not
4: a pill. So, so it, what? Thirty, forty thousand to manufacture what? Yeah, one. but
1: it's also you, there's also um, while while drugs are while before they become generic, the the pharmaceutical companies try to recoup the research and Absolutely. development and the cost of getting them passed, which is kind of the the biggest cost. And there is an argument that some pharmaceutical companies. Take too much, but but the fact is that that before a drug is approved, the research to find it and the uh, the drug testing before it's approved is very expensive. So uh, what John is saying is that generic drugs, the pill drugs, uh, that's not where the problem of the cost is. Gina, thanks very much for your call. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So yeah they say here's another good example. So think of many patients uh have high cholesterol. They're generally taking a drug called a stat, maybe Crestor Lipitor. Those right. drugs are now generics. Uh, anyways, uh maybe the cost to have a patient on that drug for a year would be a couple hundred dollars, you know, 3-400 dollars at the most. Um and they're and they work very well. Uh, Amgen's created a new biologic therapy to to reduce your your cholesterol. It works Significantly better than than the statins. The challenge with uh, Amgen's product is it it costs thousands of dollars a year. I'm not sure the exact price, but you know probably about ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. So even though these drugs work well, may even work better than the oral medications that we have, their costs are very, very restrictive, because if you're gonna add uh, this new drug to the public formulary, it would it would exponentially increase the cost of our drug budgets. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you're mentioning an example where it works better, but there's also a lot of questions. Sometimes they come out with new cancer medication, yep. which are hugely expensive, and the benefit is, Negligible, And then people, especially people who are desperate, are convinced absolutely. they want to go on this hugely expensive cancer medication, which has been shown to increase life for a week or a week? something. Yes, and, absolutely. And it's, You're
2: absolutely right. It,
1: so there, there are a lot of issues. Let's go to uh, Donna in Niagara Falls. Hello, Donna. Hello.
4: Thank you for taking my call.
1: You're very welcome. Go ahead.
4: Um, I've never called into the pharmacy show before, but I was just thinking you mentioned arthritis a minute ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so I was talking more auto- specifically about rheumatoid arthritis, but yeah, yes. absolutely.
4: Well, I've been diagnosed with arthritis for quite some time, and my doctors never given me any medication, only painkillers. So you're
2: is prob- that normal? you probably have something called osteoarthritis, which is very, oh. very different. So oh, okay. osteoarthritis is a condition where if we look at the joints, uh, generally you'll see it in the, kind of the knees or uh, elbows my, or something like that back. where the back uh, shoulders where the cartilage starts to erode particularly as you get older with time use that 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 kind of cushion effect between uh, the joints is gone and now you have bone rubbing on bone that is very very difficult to manage generally the way we treat it is with plain Tylenol higher doses uh, given very frequently, or a class of drugs called the NSAIDs, anti-inflammatories. That's kind of the mainstay of therapy. And then as it progresses and if the pain gets worse, the doctors just try to manage the pain. You unfortunately okay. can't make that joint reappear. That's the, that's the problem no. once it's been eroded.
1: Uh, so, okay, no, Joan, I'm- Joan. Oh no, sorry, it's not Joan, it's Donna. My apologies, <laughs> yeah. Donna. But I'm going to tell you one thing that, that I find works really well for arthritis, even arthritis that's supposed to be fairly advanced, and uh, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but it is exercise. Oh, absolutely. Exercise, is, uh, it's hugely beneficial. Yeah, it doesn't um, have to be hard, but it has to be every day.
2: Yeah, you yeah, want to increase well, the muscles around yeah. the joint. Yeah, yeah, but I just
4: retired. So, um the pain isn't as bad now because I'm not under that work stress.
2: Uh yeah, um, absolutely. I
4: do use ice instead of painkillers. Is that okay? Absolutely,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Anything. I mean, right now you're just managing the pain. So if you find right. ice or heat helps, use that if you could avoid uh the amount of pain medication that you're oh. using, that's always that's yeah, always I, a good strategy. I take it
4: very occasionally.
2: Yeah, that's good. Now. And uh, uh, you know, to libby 's point, uh, uh, exercise will help it 's probably the only thing that will help reverse the effects, because what you 're doing with exercise is you 're strengthening those mus- muscles around the joint, and the yes. pressure on the joint becomes less, and that 's why you have less pain. so yeah, if you could do that. Another thing. Yeah, uh, and there is some protein. evidence now that glucosamine over the counter could help. Mm-hmm. Uh, mild to moderate arthritis, it seems to help with that joint matrix a little bit. So if, uh, if, if it 's something you want to try, give it about a month, if you see some benefit, it may be helping.
4: There's something that she always they always talk about on your radio station. Oh, C- Sierra Cell.
2: Uh,
1: uh, I I don't really don't yeah. know about that.
2: Yeah, that one that, it doesn't ring a bell.
4: Oh, maybe it's not your radio station. <laughs> Somebody was the guy, the, the guy on the afternoon show talks about it. Well, uh,
1: that's right. Well, um, maybe you could He's uh, taken it. You can ask him about <laughs> it. We're we're uh, you know, there's probably stuff in it. We're just not
2: familiar yeah. with it.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, You're Donna. very welcome, Donna. Thanks. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, w- one of the things we didn't mention there talking about the arthritis medications is drugs can cause reflux as well. Eh? And uh, one of the things I ask patients all the time, if they come in with symptoms in, uh, of heartburn, are you taking any medications? The anti-inflammatories, those NSAIDs are... are uh, a common cause of reflux, stomach upset, irritation. Uh, so, you know, generally, we'll ask uh, if they're taking that. A lot of times, if you're on NSAIDs uh, for a long period of time, we'll actually combine them with an antacid. So, you take them together with either that proton pump inhibitor or another another type of medication. To help together at the
1: same time. Yeah,
2: at the same time, we take them, and they help protect the lining of the stomach and protect that that reflux. The oral osteoporosis medications, drugs like alendronate, tidronate, They're also known, we actually tell patients when they take them not to lie down immediately after because they're also known to irritate the lower part of the esophagus. So when patients, uh, especially if they're on multiple chronic meds, that's one of the questions I ask. Are you taking anything else? We may be able to solve this uh, reflux problem just by looking at the medications.
1: Okay, Uh, we are uh, rapidly running out of time, but I'll give the numbers out again because we probably have a few more minutes. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740, if you have any questions for our trusted contributor, John Papasturgiu. And John, so uh, it could be medication. Could it be anything else that's a little different in your regime?
2: Uh, no, like, I mean usually diet. We look at diet, medication, and then uh, look at medical medical history. Like we were talking during the break, certain surgeries may predispose you to it. If you've had abdominal surgery, maybe that's putting you at increased risk. But uh, generally, those are kind of the three most common things.
1: And uh, you talked about uh, you talked about uh, combining it, an antacid with with a drug. Is there any value to say if you know you're going to be bad and eat a meal like that, uh, taking it
2: beforehand? Oh, absolutely. Prophylactically, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's why uh, at Super Bowl Sunday we see our antacid sales go uh, uh, shoot through the roof. Uh, the reality is if you know you're going to have something that triggers your, your reflux or your GERD, take it beforehand. Uh, I'd even suggest taking – if you're taking a proton pump inhibitor like Losex, take it a few days before – just let it, give it some time to kick in. You may be able to prevent those symptoms. A very good point.
1: Okay. Uh, heading to the wire, let's talk to Jan in Mississauga. Hi. Hi. My, a Quick question. Uh,
4: I read recently in the paper there was a study or something done where they were saying that uh, some of the GERD drugs shorten your lifespan. And I'm just interested to know, does uh, this, person know anything about that study or uh, any comments about that study? you know
2: what there is some good question there is some evidence that chronic use of the proton pump inhibitors uh i don't think it's really re- related to lifespan but may have uh, some consequences in terms of bone health and some other things the reality is we don't know how clear clear that is generally what i'll tell patients is take them for shorter bursts of time if your symptoms resolve Take a trial off them, and I think that may be uh, useful. So you're not on it for long, long periods of time with any breaks. That being said, there is a subset of patients that can't do without them, and uh, they have to be on them. But uh, you're very right; there is a little bit of this evidence kind of emerging, but the, the picture is by uh, is by no means clear.
1: Okay, uh, let's try to fit one more in. Elizabeth in Ajax, quick question, please.
4: Um, I have
1: osteoarthritis.
4: Uh, I've had it for years. Initially, it never gave me any pain, but now the pain is severe, and right now I'm actually suffering from gouty arthritis. Okay. And um I'm active, I have to be, I'm, uh I'm a widow, I have to do the garden, the housework, you name it, I have to do it. I'm almost crippled every time I do, I do any form of exercise, whether it's vacuuming, whether it's weeding, and I am not on any arthritis uh, medication.
2: Yeah, I mean, my, my suggestion in, in this scenario, well, first we have to establish if it's gouty arthritis or traditional osteoarthritis because the treatment's a little bit different. But with respect to the pain, if you're doing something that you know is going to be trigger some of that arthritic pain... Take a Tylenol or, uh, you know, an ibuprofen or some type of anti-inflammatory, maybe 45 minutes, an hour before. It may help you get through that activity with much less pain. Uh, Mm -hmm. That approach tends to work. Alternatively, let's try to get the arthritis under control because if it is gouty arthritis, there are treatments specific to reduce the uric acid crystals there, and we could do that, but we have to get a a definitive diagnosis first. And
1: what kind of a doctor would give her a diagnosis? Oh, yeah, like
2: even the family doctors could manage that. I I, I
1: had to go to the
4: emergency department. I was in so much pain and didn't know what it was. So they diagnosed it as uh a Gouty arthritis yeah, like in my if, left foot.
2: Yeah, if it was that it was that uh, that severe the pain, it was probably a, a gouty flare up. Yeah. And that, that way you would manage the gout itself and that, that will get 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 rid of the pain.
1: Okay, so and just give her an idea of what the drugs are? Uh yeah, well ready. there's
2: uh, allopurinol is a common one, uh, and then anti inflammatories as well, short
0: term to get rid of that gouty arthritis.
1: Okay, Elizabeth, I hope that helps. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye bye.